you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look at the first half of the chapter this morning, verses 1 through 13 of Hebrews chapter 12. This is God's Word. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit, so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy an inspired word. Well, once again in this passage, the image is that of a runner, one who has a race. And facing this, we're told there are those who have gone before us and we can picture them like a stadium full of folks cheering us on. 
Those who have already passed from this life to the next. We had in the previous chapter that description of person after person who went through very difficult things, but they trusted God. They exhibited faith. And faith was the thing that made the difference. So now, referring to them, he says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. If you knew that you were about to have to run a race, how many of you would put on your best pair of cowboy boots? No? I like cowboy boots. I've got a pair of cowboy boots I'm very fond of. But I wouldn't wear them to run a race. I have some really nice wedding shoes. They're not patent leather. I've never been a big fan of patent leather. I've had to wear it on occasion as part of a wedding party. But, I, you know, that's the leather that's polished like a mirror. Now, I've, I've never been real fond of that. But I've got some wonderful cap-toe shoes. They are really good. They're, they're black leather. It's a, you can just look at it and tell it's a really excellent leather. And they're nicely polished, but again, they're not patent leather. They're just nice shoes. Those are my favorite shoes for a formal wedding. I wouldn't wear them to run a race either. Okay? Not because I'm afraid I'd hurt the shoes, but because I know that those shoes, as nice as they look, are fine for walking down an aisle It'd be lousy for running on a track, okay? You need to understand that following Jesus and accomplishing his purpose for you is more like running a race than it is like walking down an aisle. Now, I can recall some occasions in churches where I needed to walk down an aisle, and it would have been easier to go outside and run a race, because God's conviction on my heart was such that I needed to make a public decision. And pff, the problem with the public decision is other people can see it. I didn't want to be in that situation. And sometimes going from two or three rows back to the front seemed like too great a journey. But I want you to understand that while life often involves just taking the next step, the picture we need to have in our mind from what God is telling us here in this passage is we got a lot of running to do. We've got a long way to go. We're not nearly done. Okay? I am going to turn 66 this year. And compared to all these young people, I, I feel old. But I grew up with a dad who was in his 60s and a mom who was soon, in my teen years, in her 60s. And we lived with my aunt, who was in her 70s, and my grandmother, who was in her 90s. So the fact of the matter is, my dad died at 87 and a half. My mother died at 99. I probably have a good bit of track left ahead. Okay? 
Much as I would welcome stepping into heaven today, God has indicated that most likely I could have another, oh, 30 years or so. 30 years, I hope not. 30 years, 30 years ago, we were just starting the ranch. You understand? It's been a long journey. And God's saying, yeah, and you may have a long journey ahead of you. Well, if I've got to go all that far, how about if I put on a pair of hiking boots? God says, no, this is a race. You need to travel light. You need to get ready for whatever I ask you to do. You need to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily trips you up, entangles you. Let me just ask you, not for a show of hands or any testimonies right now, but do you have a sin that easily entangles you? Is there something in your life that you are especially prone toward that you know you shouldn't mess with? It tends to trip you up. You need to work on laying that aside. Don't put it in your pocket. Don't say, well, you know, that just, you know, wherever I go, it goes. No. Lay it aside. You've got a race to run. Run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. It's not a sprint. It's a triathlon. I was hoping you were going to say marathon, and then I could just be mildly depressed. You're telling me I might have to bicycle and swim also? Yeah. Run the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. You know where our faith comes from? From God. It's a gift. Read Ephesians 2. It's a gift. God gives us faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Comes from him. And he doesn't just give it to us and say, good luck. He is the source, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who carries us through. And what did he do? He endured the cross. There's not anything that God will ever call any of us to that is going to be tougher than what Jesus went through. So you can't say to God, well, you don't know what it's like. God knows better than you do what suffering is. And he endured it voluntarily for you. For you. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He made it. Back at the end of 2016, I had open heart surgery. And a preacher friend of my brother's was facing the exact same surgery a couple of months later. 
And my brother said, well, why don't you talk to my brother Jim? Because he's just been through that. And so this guy called me up, and we talked. And he's a courageous guy, but he just found it reassuring to talk to somebody who'd had the exact same procedure he was about to undergo and come out the other side. Because you see, right at the time that I was having my problems with my heart, there was a somewhat famous actor out in Hollywood who had the same surgery I did, and he didn't make it. He had a stroke, massive stroke, as a result of complications from the surgery, and he died. And there was another famous actor, right in that same time frame, who needed to have the surgery, and he didn't. He put it off, and so his aorta burst, and he died. So it'd be kind of nice to talk to somebody who got the surgery and is doing okay. You understand? Well, if you're ever feeling like, Lord, please take this. How many times have I cried out to you? Lord, please take this. Remember what he went through. And remember that he's now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He made it. And he is not only the author of our faith, He's the perfecter of our faith. That means he will see us through. We're going to get through this. Whatever you're going through, God will get you through. Because this life isn't all there is. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Did you know that the problem with getting tired is sometimes when we get tired, we want to quit. Right? Right? It's like, I don't need this. I'm going to stop. I'm going to give up. He says, in struggling against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Well, that's a good word. Now, I, I've got to say, this is not the breathy, sweet sort of encouragement that some of us would like to receive. This passage doesn't do that. It says, hey, you're not bleeding yet. That's what it says. Look, in struggling against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Come on, toughen up. Do you know we need that? Because some of us just want a pillow. We think Jesus should have said, take up your cushion and follow me. He didn't. He said, take up your cross and follow me. You've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. How many of God's children receive discipline? All of them. All of them. Well, I don't like discipline. You know, I would love to have a really chiseled abdomen. I would. I've, I've got a... a tremendous bank of muscle there underneath the layers of fat, okay? I mean, it's solid. But there's, a, there's another cushion of, of adipose tissue on the outside. And, and the problem with that is in order to remove it, I'd have to endure discipline. 
Well, I'm willing to endure discipline for the purpose of godliness, but not for the purpose of a six-pack. You understand? I mean, physical exercise profits little, but I'm concerned about eternity. I have recognized that Father Time is stronger than I am. So discipline may not be something we want, but it is something that we need and will receive if we are God's children. And when God disciplines us, the tempter will say, see, God doesn't love you. That's a lie. The Father disciplines those he loves. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? If you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You know, I don't go around spanking everybody else's kids. I don't do that. I have, on a bunch of occasions, said to a parent who was doing a good job of disciplining their child, hey, you're doing great. Keep it up. It's worth it. I've got seven kids. The youngest one is in his 20s. Okay? And I can tell you right now, it's worth the investment. Don't let up. Keep disciplining your children. I've told, and, and the kids, when I say that, they don't look happy. You know, because they're trying to break down mom or dad or grandma. And I'm saying, don't give in. Don't give in. These kids need discipline. Not because they're bad, because they're human. And all us humans need discipline. If you are without discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. But notice the phrase in the middle of that sentence. It's a phrase of reassurance. If you are without discipline, which all receive, in other words, don't sit around saying, well, you know, I haven't, any, I haven't had any really painful experiences lately. I wonder if, if that means that God doesn't love me. No, everybody goes through hardship. The book of ours that everybody wants to buy multiple copies of to give to people they know is Weathering the Storms. You know why? Because everybody goes through storms. You're either in a storm or you've just been through a storm or you're about to go into a storm. And maybe all the above. Okay? So, furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. I hope that can be said of you. We had human fathers discipline us and we respected them for it. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. I was as good a disciplinarian with my kids as I knew how to be, but I wasn't perfect. God is perfect. God doesn't just do what seems good to him. He does what is good for us. He does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. God's intention in disciplining us is that we become like him. We share in his nature, in his holiness. Now, please note verse 11. This is a verse that all of you should memorize. Okay? No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. If it's not memorably painful, it's not effective. We have Electrobraid 
excellent fencing material, down around the pasture. It carries electric current, hence the name. The goal is so that if an animal tries to go where it's not supposed to and they push up against that fence, it will kill them on the spot. They drop dead and all the other animals are terrified and say, oh, I don't want to go there. Is, is, is that right? Oh, maybe I didn't understand what electrobraid fencing does. It carries electric current, but it doesn't harm the animals. It just gives them enough of a jolt that they say, Ooh, I do not want to do that again. Okay? It doesn't kill any animals. It doesn't injure any animals. It protects the animals from injury by putting a boundary that they no longer want to cross. Okay? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but rather painful. Later on, however, here's the second half of the verse, later on, however, it produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness for anybody who encounters it. No. It produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness for those who are trained by it. Did you know that there are some people who have painful experience after painful experience after painful experience and they refuse to learn? They just absolutely refuse to learn. They keep doing the same stupid, sinful stuff over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's tragic. Absolutely tragic. You think, what? Do you remember when this happened? You did this and this happened. Did you like that? No, no, that was terrible. So why did you go and do the same thing all over again? And yet I know people who live that way. They live that way. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Please, folks, if you're a child of God, you're going to have to go through discipline. Learn from it. Learn from it. Don't let that go to waste. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. God's purpose is not to dislocate your joints and mess you up so that you can hobble through life. God's goal is that you would benefit from discipline, that you would learn from it, that you might share in his holiness. He wants to make you like him. When we see him in glory, it's going to be more glorious than we can imagine. And yet, there will still be the scars. Part of the beauty is that permanent picture of his wounds because of his love for you and for me. A lamb looking as if it had been slain because it was. But the lamb has triumphed. He is victorious. And he is the author and perfecter of your faith. So trust him. 
and lay aside everything that would hinder, lay aside everything that would trip you up, that would entangle you, and run with endurance the race that God has marked out for you. God has a plan. He has a purpose. And it's a good plan. But it involves discipline. Abiding in Christ is paid for by the generous donations of listeners like you. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. You can make a donation online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.